Well, anyway, I um, had to preach the sermon I did this morning on the Book of Life in order to talk to you about what I want to talk to you about tonight. I've had many times over the years, people ask me, will the believers during the tribulation period, will they receive the mark of the beast? Someone asked me that question not long ago in Sunday school. Will unbelievers, or believers receive the mark of the beast? And if they do, well, there's some things in the Bible that seems pretty bad. If you receive the mark of the beast, you're going down. And so um, it's interesting. Of what does it mean? So look there in Revelation chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14 and look there in verse 9. Revelation 14 and verse 9. This is on page 1344 in an old Schofield reference Bible. And in Revelation 14, it makes this statement in verse 9. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast, any man worship the beast and his image, and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast and his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. It looks like there is no leeway there. It doesn't seem like there's much leeway. And so you say, well, what if you trust the Lord, and then he deceives you, and then you take the mark of the beast? Well, how can a saved man... You know, go into this place of fire and brimstone and suffer for all eternity if he trusts the Lord. So I've had people have asked me that question. Has anybody here ever wondered that? Anybody? A couple of you. And the rest of you are afraid to admit it. So what is the answer? Well, we'll take a look at some of these things. So take your Bible and turn to the book of John chapter 3, the Gospel of John. In chapter 3, you say, what in the world has John chapter 3 got to do with Revelation? Well, John wrote John, and John wrote Revelation. So maybe there's a connection. Well, I just want you to see a main verse, because we often divide the whole world into two groups. The saved, the unsaved. The believers, the unbelievers. The saints, and the ain'ts. So... It's just two groups of people in the world. Those that are going to heaven, the kind that are not. So he says in verse 18, He that believeth on him is not condemned. He that believeth not. So there's only two groups. Those that believe and those that don't believe. So those that believe on Jesus Christ hath everlasting life. And if you do not believe on him, that means you're not trusting him to save you and take you to heaven when you die, uh, then uh, you're already condemned. So there is only these two groups of people in the world, those that are saved and those that are not. So keep that simplicity even when you get to the book of Revelation. It's about those that are saved and those that are not. So what happens to the one and what happens to the other? Well, that's an interesting story. Now take your Bible and turn to the book of Revelation chapter 9. Revelation and chapter 9. Excuse me, chapter 7. Make it chapter 7. First mistake I've made today. 
Who did that? Revelation chapter 7. Now you'll notice this is in the tribulation period. This is after the rapture takes place. Seven years of the worst period of time the world has ever known. And you'll notice in verse 9 of Revelation chapter 7. After this I beheld and lo a great multitude which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. So we believe this is a great multitude. It's a bunch of people from all over the world that have believed on the Lord and they're in heaven. But they had to come out of the great tribulation. So it means that there are people in the tribulation period multitudes that will trust Christ as their Savior. But it also demonstrates that during the same period of time, multitudes are going to be killed. Because how did they get there? It's only seven years long. And here's all these people that have been killed. And so he says here in uh, verse 13, One of the elders answered and said unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? Whence came they? Where did they come from? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said unto me, These are they which came out of great tribulations, and have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple, and he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. And they shall hunger no more, neither this and that and the other. And so, But this is talking about a lot of people that will believe on the Lord. Now, look at chapter 6. While we're right there, chapter 6 of Revelation, and look now in verse 9. In verse 9, when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God. So there's a multitude of people that will be slain during the tribulation period for the mere fact they believed on the Lord. And I believe they refused to take the mark of the beast or to worship his name and so forth. And then he says here in verse 10, How long, in verse 10, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not adjudge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? So they were not there on the earth. They have already been killed. They're in heaven. And he says in verse 11, And white robes were given unto every one of them. And it was said unto them that they should rest yet a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. So this is during the tribulation period. So we know there's a lot of people after the rapture that are going to trust the Lord. And so sometimes people say, well, if you've, um, you know, if you didn't trust Christ as your Savior before the rapture, it means you can't get saved after the rapture. Well, the Bible doesn't say that. It's just that's what we normally would think, but it doesn't mean that's the way it is. And so I look at some of these things, and I don't have all the answers, but I've got a few. And uh, if I'm in error a little bit, it's not going to be that devastating that's going to change the course of life for anybody. And it's not going to set back eternity any. But I do believe that we ought to try to read and study these things to try to understand as much as we possibly can. Now, look in Revelation chapter 13. Revelation and chapter 13. 
Revelation chapter 13 talks about the Antichrist that comes upon the scene. Now we know he's coming, and the Bible talks an awful lot about his great power that he's going to get from the devil himself. So the devil is going to have his man here, and he's going to be able to perform all kinds of miracles. And there's another beast that comes out of the land, and we call him the false prophet. So there's a beast, the false prophet, and... Um, they're on their way. They may even be alive at this time. It's a good possibility. But what I want you to do there is look there in Revelation chapter 13 and look in verse 4. And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there were given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. Power was given unto him continually to continue forty and two months, which is three and a half years. So this is the last half of the tribulation period. Tribulation period, seven years long. This is the last half of it. And then it says there in verse 6, And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. So there is the devil with his man, the Antichrist. And evidently to make war with the saints means there has to be some. Wouldn't you assume that? He can't kill all these saints if there are none. So it means after the rapture, the rapture, we believe that he takes all of us. So there has to be somebody who shows up on the scene to do a little soul winning. Now the Bible says there's going to be an angel preach the everlasting gospel. There's probably 144,000 Jewish evangelists who's going to be preaching. So uh, they'll have, you know, the word to get around. And so multitudes will be saved during this period of time. And multitudes are going to be taken out of this world. But there's, um, there's something else that I want you to see here. In verse 7, when he says, And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. So we know that he doesn't overcome to the end because we know that we're going to win in the end. And the Bible says, And the kingdom shall be given to the saints. So that's mentioned in the book of Daniel. It's also mentioned in the book of Revelation. That sooner or later we're going to enter into the kingdom upon this earth that will be a thousand years long. But until then, it looks like the devil is winning. It even looks like the devil is winning in the time in which we live. It looks like we're hopeless in order to stay the, you know, the onslaught of wickedness in this world. I was just listening to the news uh, a little bit this afternoon, but during the week, when you hear what happened in Arizona and what's happening in other places, and it seems like, the, the flood is coming, and there's no way to stop it. It's just so bad. People are getting to be so wicked. And therefore, what are we going to do? What can we do? What do you do when it seems like the world has fallen apart? How then shall we live? Well, that question was asked, and in the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 4, the just shall live by faith. So we are to still live by faith just like we would if the world with everything was wonderful. When it's wonderful, when it's bad, when everything's going wrong, you just keep living with your trust in the Lord and keep getting up. 
Now notice something else here. Look there in verse 8. Verse 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall, get this, worship Him. All that dwell upon the earth shall worship Him. And you ought to underline this part of the verse. Whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb. You see that? What does that mean? You think it can mean anything at all? Could it be in there for a reason? That all of these who worship the beast and his image, receive the mark, are all of those whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb. So there seems like there is a, there's a separation here. There is a division here of those that will and those that won't. And the ones that do are those that are lost. And those that are saved have their names written in the Lamb's book of life. And according to this scripture, verse 8, All that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life. Now whose names are written in the book of life? The saved. So if the saved are written in the book of life, then it's not the saved that's going to be worshiping or receiving or having received the mark of the beast. So if I had to come to a conclusion, I would say that the believers are not going to. Now, there's got to be more to it than that, but I'm not sure what it is. But at this point, I would say the word seems to be fairly clear in this verse. Now, you'll see some other verses, but it won't have this little uh, like exception clause in it. But I believe it's to be understood because, you know, the verses have to mesh together. Now, in uh, verse 12, And he exercises all the power of the first beast before him and causes the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast. So this is something that's going to go on. It's going to happen. Now, notice that in verse 15, and he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause, that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. So we know from the other scripture, right before this, in verse 8, those that worship the beast are those that are lost, and those that are saved who have their names in the Lamb's book of life do not. But then when you get to verse 15, cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast, what's supposed to happen to them? They will be killed. Now, it means that uh, not necessarily that all of them would, but it does say that they should be. But whether he succeed in doing all that, I don't believe it, because I believe there's believers that are going to be here when Christ comes, and they will go into the millennium. So, Take your Bible now and turn to chapter 14. Chapter 14, and look at verse 9. Revelation chapter 14, verse 9. And look what he says here now. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image, and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink. Now, it doesn't look like there's much leeway here. It's like everyone that does this, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture. In other words, there's no dilution. It means there's no mercy. 
It is God's wrath poured out into the cup of His indignation, and He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Now, do you believe that that's going to happen to the believer? I don't believe that will happen to the believer. Is it possible it could happen to the unbeliever? Then I believe it probably to the unbeliever. So, he's already made the statement a couple chapters before that it is not those who have their names written in the Lamb's book of life. So as you go down through here, you'll notice something else. Look in verse 11. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast and his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. And you'll notice here in verse 12, here is the patience of the saints. So here is the patience of the saints. So it's separating the saints from those that worship the beast. True. I mean, this is talking about the one that are lost. Because, you know, a, a saved man isn't going to burn in a literal fire burning hell. But it is possible, and it is going to take place, that this is when the patience of the saints separating the two groups. There's only two groups of people, and that's the saved and the unsaved. The saints and the ain'ts. So these are the saints, so the other ones must be the ain'ts. And so when you see that in verse 14 about the separation there, remember that that was also mentioned in another scripture. Look there very quickly back there at the book of Revelation chapter 13. You notice what he says again in verse 8. All the world, or all that dwell upon the earth, shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Then notice verse 10. And he that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. And notice this last statement. That's the same statement we're reading over there in chapter 14. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. So you have somebody that's going to be teaching and preaching and warning the people about what to do and what not to do. Or there may be more behind the scenes that I don't know anything about. But at this stage, I don't believe that the believers will be accepting the mark of the beast because of what it says about those who do. And then it shows and seems to me that they do not, whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, are not part of that group. So anyway, I think it's a pretty good possibility. Look now in chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. And look there in verse 20. Revelation chapter 19 and verse 20. And I want you to notice another word and maybe underline it in your verse here. The word deceived. Because this word is very, very important. And I'll tell you why in just a minute. But in verse 20, when Christ comes back to the earth, the Bible says it's going to take the beast and the false prophet and he's going to cast him into the lake of fire. So we'll see there in verse 20. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet, that worked miracles before him, with which he, and there's that word, he deceived them. So he deceived them. They were deceived. And he says, that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image, these both were cast alive into a lake of fire, burning with brimstone. So we know, according to this verse, 
that they deceived the world. They deceived. You remember in chapter 12 when it talks about Satan, the devil, that old serpent, the dragon. He deceived the whole world. He's pretty good, isn't he? You think you ever had the devil in some way or other deceive you? The Bible says everybody has been deceived. So anyway, he's talking about being deceived here, and it's important. Now look in chapter 20, chapter 20. So at the beginning of the thousand-year reign upon the earth, the Bible says, And an angel came down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, shut him up, set a seal upon him, that he should, and here's that word again, you ought to online because it's important, deceived the nations no more, till the thousand years shall be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loose just a little while. So the purpose of what the devil, that old serpent, Satan, that dragon, what he does is he deceives. Now, the way he deceives is with a lie. He lies to you. He lies to me. We have people in our government that lie to us. I mean, just outright lie to us. Would you believe that? You'd never believe that. These are honorable men. These are men of character and principle and integrity. But they lie like there's nothing to it, like they've been doing it all their life. And we keep hearing it. You know, if you tell a lie long enough, people are probably bound to believe it. Just keep repeating the lie. And after a while, you'll think that's the truth. Well, anyway, look now down in verse 4. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, for the word of God, which had not, get this, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads, or in their hand, upon their forehead, or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Now, everyone who trusts Christ as Savior, God says, I'm in you, and you are in me. He said, I'll never leave you and never forsake you. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, do you believe that Christ is going to go into the kingdom, and some Christian who received the mark of the beast, he can't go in because he received the mark of the beast. No. Because he can't leave me outside. I've got a ticket. I've got his word. I've got his promise. I am his child. I have eternal life. And I'm going to be with the Lord from now on. And he will never leave me. Never forsake me. So you let solid scriptures that you do know and understand help you to get over some of the things that seems to say something else. But you'll notice, there is the first resurrection, which is the power. And the second resurrection, which is there is no power. It means there is no new birth. It's the new birth that are resurrected in the first resurrection. And it's all the others that will wait until the second resurrection because they will stand at the great white throne judgment. And I don't believe any saved man will be among those. So therefore, I would have to conclude 
And I'm not saying I'm totally 100% right, just 99.8. That's pretty close, huh? That uh, this is probably the way it is. Now, take your Bible and go now back to the book of Revelation chapter 13. Back to Revelation 13. And I, um, I left one verse out just a while ago, but I did it on purpose. Now I want you to see there in verse 14. Because the false prophet is going to get people to worship the beast, this Antichrist. And he will have power to work miracles and deceive people. And so he says in verse 14, and, and here's that word again, deceived them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast. Say unto them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. So it was a law that they were to be killed if they did not worship this last world power. So um, you'll notice that um, in verse 6, he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond to stand, and this is what's going to take place. And they had to receive a mark in their hand or on their forehead. Now, this is all interesting, but now go all the way back there with me to the book of Matthew. Matthew and chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. And you'll notice that there is an interesting verse. But you have to get it in its context. Find out, okay, now what is he talking about? So what helps is if you know where verse 15 of chapter 24 belongs. So look there in verse 15 of chapter 24. And it says, When ye therefore shall see the abomination spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place, then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains, get out of Jerusalem, get out of Israel. Then he says in verse 21, For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. So we know that this portion of Scripture right here in context is talking about the tribulation period. And it's talking about the time when Israel will have made a peace treaty, the temple will be built, and the Antichrist is going to come on the scene and go into the temple and claim himself that he is God. And this Antichrist is going to be able, with his false prophet, to deceive the world by the powers and miracles that he is able to do. He's going to perform a little magic for them, and they're going to fall down and worship him. 